We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Seahawks Man-to-Man Podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. I'm here with my co-host, Christopher Kidd. Make sure you follow us both up on the tweet machine. You guys know where to follow me. That's at Mike Dugar, M-I-K-E-D-U-G-A-R. Also, shout out to all of our subscribers on YouTube. Our YouTube channel is Seahawks Man, the number two man uh, on YouTube. Appreciate y'all. Chris, talk to him. What is up, everybody? It's your boy, Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at CKIDD206, and that's CKID206. Uh, we are back with another midweek episode of the Seahawks Man-to-Man podcast, previewing week four with the Seahawks headed to Detroit uh, to face kneecap Dan Campbell and the <laughs> fighting Detroit Lions. He's not going to the, the, the bite in the kneecaps. Thing. He ain't going to live that down <laughs> in, this, in this household. Uh, but Chris and I are not experts in the Detroit Lions, so we got one on the line with us, welcoming uh, Colton Pouncey to the show. Colton making his debut, covers the Lions uh, for The Athletic. Colton, what up, man? Welcome. Thanks for having me, man. I'm, I'm happy to be here. How you guys doing? Uh, like Can't I told complain, you, man. told you before, we are recording this episode very early in the morning, way before Mike usually wakes up. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta get I gotta get going, but I'll I'll, I'll get there. Um, this is your first year covering the Lions, yeah? Yeah, it is. Uh, started like June fifth was my or July fifth was my first day, so it's been a few oh. months, and I'm still I'm still new to the beat, yeah, for sure. That's you're, true. You're, you're coming from the college ranks, yeah? Yeah, I was covering Michigan State for the Athletic for four years. Um, you know, our Lions writer Chris Burke moved on. He's now leading like our NFL draft coverage, so created an opening not too far away, and I was happy to take it. Yeah, so the basically the ineptitude of the Lions drove Chris um, to editing. Is that what is that what happened? I think that's the story we're going with. Yeah, he <laughs> <laughs> just seen Matt Patricia and a lot of bad football and was ready to ready to head out. But uh, he's still around a little bit. He does our podcast every now and then, so he's definitely still involved. He can't get away from the Lions. Yo, that's an underrated part about covering a not good team because it'll do that to some folks. Like it'll, it it'll drain some cats. I don't know if that's why Chris bounced, but yeah. uh, like I, it, I wouldn't blame him. Like for example, people who subscribe to the Athletic notice we don't cover the Houston Texans anymore. You know why? Because our boy Aaron got tired of it. Yeah. <laughs> he was a nasty man over there, mm-hmm. and I can't blame him. So nope. like that that effect of just losing and losing and coaching change and coaching change, man. Unless you're in a big market uh that that can be frustrating man but what's the what's this is your first time covering the nfl so what, what, what's that been like what's the difference uh between that and college so far man it's been awesome uh and I, I was telling people this like when i really got started like training camp is way different than what i would do for like a fall camp for football so like on michigan state during the month of august they would give us like 15 minutes of practice to see like once a week for maybe like three weeks out of the out of the month and didn't see a whole lot and yet we had to do observations and you're just like this guy looks big, you know, that's all you can really say. <laughs> Whereas on Lions and, and NFL, like I'm out there, you know, five, six days a week for you know, two, two and a half hours. Um, you know, you get to, I guess, a lot of, a lot of observations you can make from what you see out there. Um, I had Nick Baumgartner with me, so he's kind of giving me the rundown of, you know, the roster and guys to watch. And like being out there for basically a month really helped me learn the team as someone that's new to the Detroit Lions and, 
Um, I mean, that helped me a, a, a lot. So just that time has been great. Also leaving a college town in your mid twenties and going to like an actual city like Detroit, that's been fun. <laughs> I mean, that was part of the, the reason for me, I was ready for like a change of scenery and it's been, it's been dope. I got my guy, James Edwards, our Pistons writer. We actually live in the same apartment complex. So I pass by him a lot. Like he's showing me around town. So it's been a lot of fun. I'm happy to be here. Wait a minute. So you outgrew East Lansing? You saying that wasn't like the lit, the lit town bit. in Michigan? <laughs> like here's the thing with East Lansing. So you got downtown Lansing, which is like the college area. That's where you see like 19 year olds using their fakes to get in the bars. I stayed away from there. And then you got downtown Lansing, which is like the capital city. And it's a little bit of an older crowd. You got like some single moms out there, some like creepy dads out there. And I'm like, I don't want any part of that either. So I'm kind of stuck in the middle. So <laughs> honestly, like being in Detroit, like that's what I wanted. So I'm happy for it. Yeah, being in your mid twenties in a college town, like it sound cool until you realize you older than half yeah. the people you around all yeah. the time. So no I, I need to be around some other other adults, man. So uh, yeah. well, hopefully the Lions ineptitude does not continue, so you can stay on the beat covering some playoffs and, and some fun times. Uh, how uh, before we talk about Dan and Hard Knocks, man? You start? Did you start off your beat writing career with the Hard Knocks appearance with a cameo? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not great. Not a great first impression. Uh, <laughs> it was the first day of training camp. Um, you know, Dan's doing his like 8 a.m. presser and I get there like, an hour, like I don't know, like half an hour, 15 minutes before I'm like sitting in front row. I'm like, all right, cool. We're finally starting first day on the NFL beat. And then my alarm, which was set for 815, literally goes off 15 minutes into the presser. Uh, Dan has some fun with me and we talked about it after he was laughing about it. Uh, but Hard Knocks caught it. And, and honestly, before the episode even aired, I had a couple Hard Knocks like crew members come up to me and be like, yo, congrats on making the show, man. <laughs> I was just like, all right, this is coming. And then, yeah, like seven minutes in, I saw I saw my name on the little on HBO, which is insane. So I was just like, all right, well, that's one way to leave an impression. <laughs> that's hella dope, man. That, yeah, that was funny. I was going to do a little cameo myself this morning and have my alarm go off during the show. And <laughs> oh, homage to you, Colton. Why didn't we do that? that been, you should have told me. We could have yeah, done it. Uh, nah, I thought it was a one-time thing. I thought it was funny, and we'll let it ride. But I enjoyed watching Hard Knocks, and I believed in Dan Campbell. He made me want to go out there and play football. And I'm not even, you know, in the top tier to even think about it. But he was making me think, you know what? Yeah, today I can do it, Coach. What's good? Yeah. I am curious. At the end of the Hard Knocks, I thought he had something powerful to say. And it was, they asked him, the young lady asked, hey, what will the – 22 Detroit Lions, what would they be? And he took a, a long time. It was like, I think I think it was maybe two minutes of just silence, and he was just thinking. Because every coach has something different to say, and he said the 2022 Detroit Lions will be the team that can and will. Yeah. How has his attitude and his style of coaching put this team in position where they are right now? I know they're one and two, but the mm -hmm. games that they've played, and I've only seen highlights, it's been – I didn't get a chance to watch the film yet, but from what I've seen, this team is really believing in his message. Yeah, I think it's really resonating with this group. I mean, these guys love him and they'll say that openly. Um, that wasn't really the case with the previous regime here. So it's a bit of a stark change, um, but he gets guys to play for him. I think that's probably his biggest attribute as a head coach. Um, he's a former player, so he's been in those locker rooms. He understands like the culture and what you need to, how you need to go about, you know, um, I guess interacting with players and getting the most out of them. So you can definitely see that. That's probably the first thing that stands out when you look at what Dan Campbell brings to the table. Um, but he wanted the team to be more competitive. You know, last year they had some games where they were hanging around, but obviously they started off like 0-8, and, and then that, I, didn't, I don't think they got their first win until week 13. Um, mm. And then they went on a little bit of a run down there, which, you know, provided some optimism out here about what this season could be. Um, they went out and they added some pieces like Aiden Hutchinson. You see some guys take another step like Amirasi and Brown. Um, so I think they felt a lot better about the roster and where it was, you know, this year going to last year. And in their minds, like we might not be fully where we want to be yet, but there's no reason why we can't be competitive in games um, throughout the season. We've seen that through three weeks so far. You know, they played that Eagles game very tight. Um, they only lost by three. And that Eagles team looks like one of the best in the NFL right now. Um, week two, they come back against the, the commanders, um, get out to a big lead and end up hanging on there. And then last week on the road against a good Minnesota Vikings team, um, they're up 10 in the fourth quarter and they just kind of blew it. And I think that's kind of one of the things that they're still learning to do is like learning how to close out these games. Um, they're one of the youngest rosters in the NFL. So it's going to take some time to get there. And Campbell um, himself, I mean, he's still in his second year as a coach, so he's still learning some things. But you do see them more competitive in games. 
you do see them hanging around with some of these teams. And I think you see that the Lions are starting to get some more respect around the league. So they're on the right track, but still some work to do for sure. Yeah, I was a, I will admit this. I was like a closet Lions fan last year. Uh, <laughs> I was Dan, Dan had me so energized. Well, then also there was two things. Um, Dan was super energized and that was fun. I was like, all right, cool. He's, he's very much, he read the room, whether intentionally or otherwise, like, cause we mentioned the other regime, like guys hated Matt Patricia there, you know, yeah. like it was, it was like open. It was like, nah, this, this is just not working. This whole kind of Detroit version of the Patriot way, get that the hell out of here. So I was like, okay, that's cool for the players to get the opposite of that. Cause they probably needed it. You know, Quandre Diggs kind of takes some kind of veiled shots at the Detroit organization every once in a while. The second yeah. thing is Dan's initial staff was black as hell. Yeah. They got a black OC, black DC, their GM is black. Do they have a black special teams coordinator last year? Uh, I'm not sure if Dave Fipp was around. He's their, their guy this year. Because um, they, they got rid of what? It was Pep? They, no, not Pep. Anthony Lynn was their OC yeah. last year. Got rid of him. But the, the staff is still black as hell. So I'm It like, still is, yeah. Yeah, so I'm like, you know, all right, come on. Come on. Come on, Dan. Uh, figure it around. I, I almost jumped off the Lions. It's not a bandwagon. But when did he cry? He cried after a loss after, like, what, week six? Yeah, they were 0-6. Yeah. Yeah, like, somewhere oh, over there. Man. It's like, if he's crying already <laughs> – it's, it's gonna be a long season. Yeah, like brother, that could that that could be very very long. Uh, like you said, they they changed some things around though. You know, made some personnel changes, got some new coaches um, in there as well. So what what does Dan realistically expect at twenty? What did he? Let's let's go back to August or whatever before season start. What did he expect the twenty twenty two Lions to be realistically? I don't know if he had a record in mind because I mean he was talking playoffs and you know. I think that's every coach should be one to, you know, be openly talking about making the playoffs and, you know, a, a winning team. So I don't know if he had like, oh, if we win seven games, I'll be happy. It was nothing like that. But again, it just goes down to being competitive. Um, one thing that they did in training camp, they practice a lot of late game situations. Like they're out there doing two minute drill for an extended period of time, like at the end of each practice, um, you know, different situational football drills like that. Um, I think they, Dan Campbell really wanted to hammer that point home. Um, they lost some tight games last year because of those situational drills that, that didn't really work out for them. Uh, so he definitely tried to make that a point of emphasis. Um, I think the reason why is because he's like, my, my roster is going to be more competitive than it was. We're going to be we're going to be closer in these games than we were last year. A lot more one score games heading into the fourth quarter. So we need to be prepared for those moments. And when teams battle back, if we have a big lead or us clawing our way back, we need to be able to finish these games and close out. So. You know, I think if he he feels good going in the fourth quarter more often than not, just because of what they've practiced and you know, the, I guess that fourth quarter it's like getting the most out of your guys. Like he can definitely do that, um, but it's just a matter of knowing what to do, making sure your players are all on the same page with your staff. Um, so that's kind of been where they're at so far right now. But I don't know, man. I, for me personally, I see this roster as like a seven win team. Um, oh wow! I, I did before the season. And part of that was because, okay, they're still young. How much, you know, progress are they going to make? They've made a lot more than I thought through three weeks. But now the question is, they have all these injuries piling up. They don't really have the best depth. So, I don't know. I I think the fan base has kind of talked themselves into maybe like nine wins at this point. But mm. I'm still not quite there. But they do have a chance if they can get some guys back from injuries and uh, continue to show the progress they've shown so far through three weeks. You know, it almost reeled me back in and I'm still in on the Lions, but what really got me back, I'm like, all right, I'm going to start paying attention again, was the, the scene where Jamal Williams <laughs> just, it's, yeah. like, he's damn near, was he actually crying? Was yeah, he, damn he was. Crying? No, he was. Jamal's a he dog. Was. He wears his heart on his, his emotions out. Yeah. I mean, he's, that's who he is, like, at all times. That was pain. I could see the pain in that man's heart because yeah, man. he had never lost that. Somebody tweeted the stat, but he is, he was winning in Green Bay, like, quite a bit. And I think. Yeah. Did he lose more games last year than he had ever lost in Green Bay? It was something he might have yeah. comparable like that, and I was like, "Damn, man!" I mean, thirteen games he lost last year, so that <laughs> I don't think the Packers have lost thirteen games over however many years he was there. So that that would make sense. Yeah, no, it, it's been a bit. It's like the contrast between I don't know if you guys have seen uh, the Bears fans who are like kind of upset at what Justin Fields said um, after the the loss there. He keep. It's kind of like which was, which was dumb, by the way. Like, why are you gonna? A player should want to be mad at like their own loss more than the fans. That makes perfect sense to me. But whatever. Yeah, yeah, that was weird. But like fans, yeah, fans want players to like have a certain amount of pain after they lose and look a certain way. Like I even saw some some Niners fans upset at Jimmy G smiling when they lost the game to the Broncos on Sunday night. They want the fa- the players to look like Jamal. 
yeah. they want them like that after every loss, yeah. crying and stuff like that. Like I don't, I don't mean to laugh, but it was kind of funny. I'm not. No, because like lie. if I'm if I'm miserable, if I'm letting a group of grown men ruin my day, I want to ruin your day too. Mm. Like that's how we. <laughs> Yeah, that's that. That's a little. That's a little. I don't. Yeah, fans go a little bit too far with that. But as a Wazoo football fan, I can understand because right, yeah. the the pain just uh, it it kills me. But we're not gonna do kooks today. We'll go with Seahawks Lions. Uh, last I checked, the Seahawks were five and a half point underdogs, uh, I believe. So let's let's roll with that. Time to make an early episode prediction, Colton. Who do you have in this game and why? You know, if the Lions were healthy, I would have said the Lions, and I think I still might. It's just I have to think about it a little bit more because it doesn't sound like DeAndre Swift is going to play. I think they're thinking about seriously resting him for the next two weeks. Um, he had a shoulder injury in the Vikings game on Sunday, which is a new thing. He was already dealing with an ankle injury that almost kept him out week two. Um, so he's been banged up early, and that's kind of been a theme with him in his short career. Uh, it sounds like the Lions, you know, they have this game against the Seahawks and the Patriots game. Um, next week, and then they have their week six bye. So it might make sense to just rest them the next, you know, basically three weeks until week seven. He can come back healthy and maybe you can make a run down the stretch, but it doesn't sound like he's going to be playing uh, for this game. I mean, we'll see how he is in practice and everything, but it seems like they might take the the cautious approach with him. And then Amaras St. Brown's also dealing with an ankle injury. So those are two of your best offensive players. Um, left guard Jonah Jackson's already dealing with some things. He's missed the last two games. So they're pretty banged up right now on offense, and that's kind of their strength right now. I don't really trust their defense to, you know, really get the stops when they need to yet. So, you know, I, I still think the Lions have a good chance of winning just because Jamal is a good backup running back. The offensive line has kind of found some ways to, you know, piece through these injuries. But I think it would be a lot closer than people think. I think the Seahawks probably end up covering that five and a half. So, so what's the score? What's the score? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, we can't let them yeah. all Yeah, yeah. You know, first I, was time, I was trying to get away with it. Um <laughs> First glance, and we haven't really dug into everything yet. I'll go. I'll go. Twenty-seven, twenty-four lines. Oh, that is that is that would be them finishing the game out. That I, all right. Let me see. What's the over under on this? Let me see if you got. We're a big we're big gamblers on this show allegedly. Uh, over <laughs> under any lines or anything. Fifty. That's twenty-seven, twenty. Yeah. Okay. You got the over. Just yeah. Seahawks. Just barely. Yeah. Seahawks covering and the over there. All right, let's uh, let's go with that. All right, Chris, I'm trying to put you on the nah, spot. Nah, nah, nah. Last week I went yeah. second. Now you can go second. I'll no, go no, last. No, no, you go. You gotta go, man. I, I I bring it. I bring it home. I'm gonna make a pick. I promise. I promise. You always okay. make a pick. But all right, I yeah. man, this is very tough because I got it right last week when I went with the I'm forgetting who the Seahawks just played, but they played the Falcons and they got the win. And I figured a turnover would, would be the reason. I didn't expect Mariota to hand the Seahawks. Not a, t- a turnover for a chance for the Seahawks to win and them not convert on that. But this is hard because if they don't have the Sun God and St. Brown and their defense, they just lost their safety for the Lions. Yeah. I, and I don't know much about this team's defense. And what you just said, it's I'm not, not really, yeah, you're not trusting it. This could be another shootout. But can Jared Montana, can he, can he keep the hot streak going? Can he keep slanging it? <laughs> I'm going to go with the Lions as well. And I'm going to, I'm going to say, 30 to 21. Oof. What did you just call? Did you just call Jared Goff Jared Montana? Yeah, he's been slinging it, man. Oh, yes. he's been slinging it like that. Hold on. He's been, he's been good. I mean, they're, they're he's been slinging it, man. Yeah. <laughs> Let me look at some of these numbers real quick. Uh, let's see. 20th in yards per attempt. Oh, fifth in touchdown percentage. Honestly, <laughs> the numbers don't even tell the full story because there's been a lot of drops. Um, you know, they've been running the ball a lot too. He's just been doing everything they've asked of him. So, I don't know, man. I like I'm that. I'm with Jared Montana. Yeah, yeah. Jared Montana, let's go. Jared Montana is some. I was like, who is he talking about? I was like, <laughs> he's not talking about Jared Goff, not the not the Jared, Goff. I know, yeah, not that Jared Goff. Yeah. All right, let's see. So it's it's on me. Uh, let's see. I think I, I, I do our expert picks on the Athletic every week. I'm pretty sure I'm doing poorly. I, I no, think I, I checked yesterday. You were 19 and 15. I think it was something. You weren't bad. Oh, okay, I'm doing about five hundred. There you go. That, that, yeah. that doesn't include week three because week three, I was like, "Damn, Mike, <laughs> did I do bad week three? Bro, you like you had the, I mean, you had the obvious teams winning, like the Chiefs. That didn't help you out. You oh, picked yeah. the Titans game. You picked the, um, you didn't pick the Titans. I'll just say that. Yeah, I didn't. I, pick saw, I saw a couple. I was like, "Damn, Mike, yeah, you might be under five hundred this week, but it's okay." 
Oh man, yeah. I, I, I'm better like against the spread and stuff like that. Uh, anyway, uh, so I think I'm like if we use spreads, I'd be like two and one or something like that. Instead, I'm like zero oh, and three. But I'll, I'm a, we're gonna go consensus here. I will I will take the Lions. I'm assuming that um, I'm on Ross St. Brown toughs it out with the ankle thing. I think yeah. the Swift thing you can overcome. Uh, because like when you have a, a good old line, you can you can't just put anybody back there. Like me and Chris couldn't go for like hundred yards. <laughs> Actually, I don't know, man. Seahawks D was pretty. It was it was pretty bad uh, on Sunday stopping the run. But yeah, I, I don't think you can put anybody back there. But I, I do like Jamal Williams. Like, what yeah. did he have last uh, last game, Colton? With like hundred yards, something like that. When he had like hundred yards in scrimmage total, like eighty rushing yards, two touchdowns. So yeah, it's like, good backup. I, yeah, I, I I trust them to get that done. I was surprised looking at some of the Lions' offensive numbers. I was like, boy, they are efficient. They yeah. are running the ball really well. Jared Goff's protecting the ball. I think uh, interception rate's about like 1.8, which is about about league average. But, I mean, when you're running the ball as well as they are, it doesn't – you don't need to be at zero, you know, and you're going to have some yep. mistakes. Yeah, not not throwing it super far, not super great in yards per attempt, but yeah, fifth in touchdown percentage behind only Lamar, Tua, Mahomes, and Josh Allen. Like anytime that's the cluster of dudes you're around, company. Usually, yeah, usually means you know you're you're having a good year. I think he's tenth in expected points added per dropback, which is basically for my non-nerds, that's just a, a per play efficiency stat per drop back. So drop backs, that would include times you get sacked times that you scramble. That's, that's why I like using drop back more than just like passer rating. That's yeah. pass rating only counts for when your the ball leaves your hands. When you're the quarterback, there are a lot of things that need to happen before it ever leaves your hands. If it ever does, Geno Smith is eighth, by the way, and EPA oh, wow. per drop back. Yeah. The Geno Smith, Gino. Gino Smith and Jared Goff being top 10 in like relevant <laughs> quarterback stats in 2022, which is, uh, well, Blowing my mind. Uh, I actually I like the I like the over in this too. I'll take the Lions twenty six. Actually, I like a push on the uh, on the um, on the over under. I like twenty six twenty four Lions. So I do like a close Ooh. game. I'm right there with 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 Colton uh, on it. I think it'll come down to the wire. Two teams that still need to learn uh, how to finish games, uh, particularly the Seahawks. They're they're not looking too hot. I think they've what what is it, Chris? They've lost their last what five attempts. Yes. Close a game with Geno Smith. It hasn't, it, when it comes to closing time, Geno hasn't answered the call yet. Yeah, so okay. that, that'll be rough. Uh, Colton's new to the show, but this question is not. I ask every opposing beat writer the simple question about their quarterback. So I will ask it to you. Colton, is Jared Goff good? Uh, good on like a, a national league level or good for what the Lions need him to do? That's the mm. question. That question never gets any context. I just say it's <laughs> going so good that you can take that wherever you want to. Yeah, I, I think Jared is good for what the Lions are asking him to do. I'll, I'll, I'll go with that route because last year he came into a new environment. I mean, he was traded for a quarterback that ended up winning his former team a Super Bowl in year one. That's tough, man. Like that's very to tough. watch another man go out there and do your job better than you did. Like that's that's tough. And he comes to Detroit. You know, he's wasn't really comfortable here last year based on what I've, you know, talking to other beat writers. They said it took him a while to get adjusted to everything. Didn't really mesh well with Anthony Lynn's system. Um, and then so they made a change around midseason to like Dan Campbell started calling plays. Uh, ben Johnson, who was the tight ends coach last year, got more involved. He's now the OC. Um, Goff and Johnson kind of spent the entire offseason kind of reworking this offense, incorporating some stuff that he did well in L.A., um, kind of building the offense together so that he would be comfortable. And that was kind of the big word with him, this training camp. He looks a lot more comfortable, a lot more settled down. He looks at home now. He was saying that it's a little things like his house is starting to feel like a home. He remembers some names of people that work around the building. He could say hi to them. It's like the little things like that you don't really think about, but he was starting to get there um, really this summer. And also it's just like building chemistry with his guys. Like him and Amara St. Brown last year down the stretch really went off together um he's got his guy josh reynolds at wide receiver who was with him in la um he's now in detroit they added dj chark from jacksonville so he's got some pieces around him now um tj hopkinson is back healthy um so he looks he does look a lot more comfortable and i think what the lions are asking him to do which is basically just a couple times a game we'll take our shots we need you to be efficient um we need you to produce when we get down to the red zone um he's doing all that right now so i think they like where golf's at um there's still some questions like is he the long-term guy that I don't know because they have two first-time draft picks this year. So if things do go off the rails at some point this year, 
you know, they can maybe package two of those picks with the, with the LA Rams pick that they got in Stafford trade um, and their own pick, maybe move up, uh, maybe make a trade for a guy like Lamar if he ends up being on the block. Uh, I don't know, but you know, they've got some options this year. What, and, and a lot of it has to do with how Jared Goff ends up playing this year. So it's a big year for him. And so far, so good. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What we saw, you know, because Chris and I, we're both uh, Wazoo grads. And so we've I've been watching Jared, Jared Goff since college and then, you know, playing him two couple times a year in Seattle, uh, you know, playing against the Seahawks. So I've seen him a lot. Jared yeah. Goff, I've seen seen a lot of good and seen a lot of bad. The consistent has usually been like Sean McVay simplified things for him. It's like, hey, man, here's your read. It will be there. Throw it. If it's not, you may be screwed. Um, and that worked really well in 2017, 18 and even 2019 as well are you seeing some of that where he's there mark brunel and and uh, ben johnson have kind of schemed it up so he can get the ball out of his hands quickly without having to do a ton of decision making or is it something different yeah i think there's definitely some of that and i think just having a good offensive line around him and they've for the most part held him upright uh so he doesn't look like rattled or anything because that's the thing with golf like i think he can stand in there and make some throws when he has time but it's like when you ask him to get outside the pocket and scramble and make something out of nothing is when He's pretty much screwed. You know, he, can, he doesn't have the mobility to, to make plays like the modern NFL quarterback does. Um, so they've been they've been, you know, keeping him upright for the most part. I think when he's just locked in and letting it rip and not overthinking things, that's when he's at his best. And uh, that's really what we've seen from him so far this year. The first game was a little shaky, but really the second half of, of that week one game against the Eagles. And that's a good defense, you know, so it's a little bit understandable, too. But the second half of that game, the commanders game and the Vikings game, he's looked really sharp. So. He's in a good groove. He's got good chemistry with his receivers. And, you know, I think he's feeling in a good spot right now. And he is tied with Lamar Jackson for explosive completions this year with 18. That is not, I, again, when you're clumped with some of these dudes, that means, you know, uh, you're playing really well. Chris, what we got on the Lions run game that's been helping Jared? I am curious because. Again, I haven't got a chance to watch a full game and see what the Lions are doing, but it seems like they're biting kneecaps at the line of scrimmage and they're creating, <laughs> they're creating holes for the running backs to get through. And I'm curious, do you think the Seahawks even stand a chance to slow them down, even with DeAndre Swift likely being out? I know Mike hinted at it earlier, saying that, hell, we might be able to run through there. But what are your thoughts? Do you think that the Lions can be consistent without DeAndre Swift and have a successful run game? You know, that's the, the big reason when people were talking about the Lions run game the first two weeks. It's because, you know, DeAndre Swift was was there. He was healthy. He was playing, you know, the majority of the snaps back there. Week three was a little different. I think he only played 41% of the offensive snaps in that game. Um, he came out with a shoulder injury or an ankle injury. Something was – he had to get checked out on the sideline. And when he was in – when he was out, Jamal Williams came in and did his thing, but he's also not the most efficient guy. Um, you know, I think he averaged around four yards a carry. He kind of had to work for those 80 yards. Um, it wasn't the massive holes that we were used to seeing in week one, week two. Like I tweeted a couple of screenshots of the all 22 from the commanders game. 
I mean, Tom Izzo, I tweeted this, Tom Izzo could have run through some of those holes that <laughs> the Lions were creating. It was insane. Um, so, you know, I think it kind of depends. You know, obviously I don't think Swift is going to play, and he was averaging, I think, like eight yards carry, something crazy like that, um, like before last week. So, you know, the efficiency might take a hit there. Jamal's going to have to work for some of those yards. He's not as explosive. You know, Swift had, you know, two 50-yard runs in week one, week two. Um, so that kind of helped too. So, you know, I guess we'll see. I haven't really seen a full game with Jamal as, as, a, as a lead back. You know, you know, Swift was still kind of involved this last week. So, I, you know, the offensive line, I think they're good enough to kind of produce for him. And, you know, but I will say the Vikings kind of made things, you know, a little bit more difficult for this run game. That was really the first time they were tested. Um, the Lions were stopped short on a couple of, you know, fourth and one, third and one runs, um, which we weren't used to seeing. So I think it might be a little tougher I, I, without a guy like Swift. I mean, that's easy to say, but. I still think they feel confident in the guys they have back there. So we'll see. This is going to be a fun matchup because the Seahawks, so. the Seahawks really want to improve on stopping the run and they haven't proven anything as of lately. I, I'm, I'm finishing up the defensive film today, but started half of last night. And I'm thinking, yo, do you guys not just want to tackle? I don't <laughs> You guys aren't filling in gaps. Safeties aren't where they're supposed to be. I'm I'm puzzled. And knowing what the Lions want to do, I'm thinking it's just going to be with the San Francisco Niners, San Francisco 49ers tried to do, but maybe even better because right now the Lions are third in rushing attack and they look really good doing it. So, and you kind of alluded to that. So, yeah, I'm, it's going to be fun to see for sure. Maybe I should change my score. 31 20 seems, man, I don't know <laughs> if it'll be that far, but nonetheless, I do want to talk about the sun god and that is yep. Amon Ross St. Brown because he has exploded on the scene. And I remember during, you're, in, you, you're doing fantasy football, right, Colton? I am, yeah. So one of my good friends, he took Amon maybe in like the third round. And I was like, yo, there are other receivers on the board. What are you doing? And I wasn't the only one. I think everyone that was there for the live draft had something to say about my boy taking him third overall. So far, he's looking like that was a great pick. Right now, he's yeah. at 23 catches, over 250 yards, and three touchdowns. I know you mentioned that ankle injury, but he might not miss time. If he does play, talk about the impact he will have against the Seahawks DBs, who are young and – well, not young. You only got one rookie on the right end, and that's Tariq Woolen. But Michael Jackson's been a veteran. He's a veteran, and he's been around the game a little bit. But talk about what he can bring in this matchup. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I don't hate taking him in the third round because, I mean, <laughs> he's proven that's that's a good that's a good pick right there. I'll tell him my friends to, to draft him, like, fourth round probably. I think he's going, like, fifth or sixth, but – um, I mean, yeah, the things that he can do on the field, he's like, no doubt, the Lions' number one receiver, um, which is crazy because he was a fourth-round pick last year. And, you know, he's out here breaking NFL records and at age 22, I think. So what he's done so far early in his career has been, you know, nothing short of impressive. But he is dealing with the ankle injury. Um, he left at some point, I think it was the second quarter in that game against the Vikings. I saw him on the, on the sideline, was kind of watching him and was getting taped up pretty heavily. Was testing it out on the sidelines, kind of jumping around, trying to trying to test it out. Ended up coming back in the game, but wasn't really explosive like we've seen from him. Um, so if he is forced to miss some time, that'll be a big loss for the Lions. Um, you know, again, he's their number one target. Jared Goff usually throws him like twelve times a game. Damn. Um, yeah, I mean that's the other thing because we haven't really seen. It, it was a little bit better against the Vikings, but the secondary pass catchers that the Lions have, like Josh Reynolds and you know DJ Chark and you know, TJ Hawkinson, they haven't really been super involved the first couple of weeks uh, just because Amnira was doing his thing and, you know, breaking records. But uh, I do think this is probably a big week to try to get those guys more involved, even if Amnira does end up playing, because you're going to need those guys to contribute more down the road. So, you know, I think Golf said he's not really forcing things or not trying to force things to St. Brown, but you can definitely tell that he favors that dude, and rightfully so. He's, he's a dog. But at the same time, it's like some of these other guys need to get more involved. So I think this could be the week where we see – you know, DJ Chark, they had great chemistry in training camp, but we haven't really seen that since, you know, when the season started. So I, I would maybe guess they take some deep shots with him and try him uh, downfield. Um, Josh Reynolds is a good over the middle guy. I think he'll get more involved. And then TJ Hawkinson's kind of had a slow start this season. He had a touchdown last week, but other than that, wasn't really making much of an impact. So maybe they try to work him into the passing game a little bit more, even if Amir Ryan's are playing. So let me let me just put it this way. Would you say the Seahawks DBs, Kobe Bryant, Mike Jack, and Tariq Woolen have the advantage or Amon St. God or the excuse me, the Sun God? Yeah, if he if he plays, I would still like the Lions receivers. Um Damn. 
<laughs> I, I, I like what they're doing in the passing game a lot. It's just I don't know how effective he's going to be, even if it plays. And he's a dude that's probably going to try to tough it out, so I wouldn't be shocked if he ends up out there playing. But he might only be 75%. So, you know, how good is Amon Ross St. Brown at 75%? I'm not really sure. We haven't really seen that. So uh, it might end up being a push if he had, if he's out or is not fully effective. But Sun God, please have a healthy ankle come Sunday, man. I want to see this. <laughs> good matchup, yeah. You know, the, the, the clip is floating around where it's um, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown is talking about dude from the Commanders. Uh, I think, uh, what's his name? Di- Dynamy? Something like that. Yami, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I feel bad messing up their brother's name. But anyway, he was taken above uh, Monroe St. Brown. Uh, Yami Brown. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. Thank you. He was taken above uh, uh, Sun God in the draft. And, you know, he uh, Sun God has something to say about it. What was he asked to prompt him to throw that shade at the other dude? You know, I'm trying to remember. Like, honestly, it doesn't take much to set him off. Like, I don't know if you guys saw in Hard Knocks where they asked St. Brown, like, yes. to name all the receivers that were drafted ahead of and him. He like, did. he could do that, like, on the spot. Like, <laughs> that draft day was hell for him. That man was – that was a nightmare falling to the fourth round. But I don't even know what it was. He's, I think someone asked him if he's, like – if he feels the respect. And he's like, I mean, I'm always going to play with that chip on my shoulder. Like, I, he, and he just brought up unprompted, I think. Like, no one asked him, like – Yo, what do you have to say about Deami Brown? <laughs> like, right, because like you guys aren't. No one knows Deami Brown. <laughs> like, no offense to him, but like, we weren't. That wasn't on our minds. He just brought him up. He's like, yeah, I think they have a player. And it's like he said, I think. It's like, man, you know, like, stop playing. He's like, I think they have a, a guy over there, uh, Deami Brown, who's drafted ahead of me. I don't know how he played. Maybe you guys can look at his numbers, but I didn't see him out there much. <laughs> it's like, it's like, bro. So I mean, that's but that's who he is, though. Like, it, it might come off a little corny to some people, but like being around him, like that's who he is. Um, you know, he's out there catching 202 passes on the jugs machine like every single day. Um, his dad is like a former like Mr. Olympia, like a bodybuilder, like has instilled this like crazy work ethic in him like from day one. So that's what got him to the NFL and it's not going to change. But I mean, that's who he is. He'll take shots at like whoever. He doesn't really care. Uh, for us, it's kind of funny, but I can see how maybe some other people might feel some some type of way about him. No, I, I enjoyed that clip. I actually like when guys are that way and you can tell it's authentic. You know, I yeah. think the, most, the other example I could think of off the top of my head is that Draymond Green can name everyone who was drafted ahead of him. I think yeah. he's like the 35th pick or something like that. Can name second all the round guys. Guy. Yeah, yeah second, second round guy for sure. And can name all the that's that's legit. You know, that that those guys carry that for real. And they really do never forget. Uh, I, I joke about Jamal Adams tweeting that he doesn't forget any all the guys drafted above him. He was like the sixth pick. It was like, dude, right, no, one, no one forgets everyone that was drafted ahead of you, man. It was, yeah. it was five, five guys. But I did like that uh, about him. And uh, uh, I'm on Ross St. Brown because it so it Colton in Seattle. Um, the Seahawks that draft had the 56th pick. They only had three picks because of the Jamal Adams trade and some other trades that they made. Uh, they took D. Eskridge uh, with that pick receiver out of uh, Western Michigan. And uh, uh, here the issue is uh, the fans really wanted, because Seahawks have had O-line issues, they really wanted the Seahawks to take Creed Humphrey, who I was able to the Chiefs and then became like all pro or something like that his first year. Meanwhile, D got a concussion in his first game and then just kind of wasn't a factor in the offense. So it was like, dang, we could have got maybe one of the best centers in football. Instead, we've got a number three receiver who – for whatever reason, is not not helping us. And over time, I've been telling people, like, yeah, that's a fair critique. But it's like, I actually like taking a receiver at that point because three receiver sets are your base offense. So investing in a third one is, is fine, yeah. especially if they're on the cheap while, while DK and Tyler are making a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. I've been telling people lately, guys, the Creed Humphrey thing, forget about that. They should have took this someone Ross St. Brown kid <laughs> in the second round because he is cold. Yeah. And I, I I remembered how cold he was. Me and Chris were just talking about this. He was cold against the Seahawks last year. <laughs> Destroyed him. <laughs> and then now, I, I mean, he probably obviously wants to go off every game. But I was like, yeah. oh, now it makes sense. They took D. Eskridge over him. <laughs> it was personal. And it's probably yeah. going to be personal every time he plays these guys. Because yeah. I, I know the Seahawks scouted him, like, extensively. Because, you know, a lot of Pete Carroll staff is still from – that's when right, he was yeah. at USC and Pete's still an SC guy, like he'll bring them up unprompted every once in a while. Like that's, he had a lot of success there and I know they scouted him. I think the issue with my theory is that they over scouted, you know, when you know too much about somebody, it's kind of a while I don't draft any Seahawks in fantasy usually. Cause I overthink, yeah. you know, how well they're going to do. Cause I watch them in training camp. Like you said, five, six times a week. I'm like, ah, <laughs> 
let me <laughs> let me back off. Like I never drafted Russ in fantasy. I think the Seahawks did that. They were like, we know too much about this kid. We overthink it. Ah, right, let's take this Eskridge kid. Boy, Sun God's gonna make them pay every week. Yeah, and every time, man, because that boy is he is listen, he's ninth in receiving yards, fourth in receptions, tied for second in touchdown catches. He's 21st in yards per route run, which is one of my favorite nerdy stats uh, mm-hmm. for receivers. 21st doesn't sound crazy, but you know who's 22nd? Cooper Cup. You know, so that that puts that that stat uh, in in context for context for you guys. And Colton, if I had this right, he's lining up in the slot a lot, but it yeah. seems like when he's out wide, he's cooking dudes too, right? Yeah, you can put him really anywhere. I think it's the mm. fact that they have two big body guys and DJ and, and Josh Reynolds that they put him in the slot, but no, he can get some workout in the in the outside too. So I don't know, but the, you mentioned, uh, you know, I guess the Seahawks taking him over, over Amon Rob, but I think what, now that I'm remembering, I think what, you know, prompted him to bring up uh, De'Ami Brown was he was more taking a shot at the commanders. Mm. And so he's like every team that passed on me, that's who I want to go out. I want to kill them like every single week. So if you do have a receiver that you took over him in that draft, he's going to try to, he remembers that, like that doesn't leave his mind. So. That might, that yeah. might be an issue this week. I don't know. I expect him oh, to. <laughs> <laughs> Let's look at the Lions defense because they they got they got their hands full, literally. DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. DK's had a little slow start, but we saw he woke up a little bit against the Falcons last week. But I'm curious. The Lions lose their probably one of their best defensive players in Tracy Walker. Yeah. Who is going to step in to fill the void, and how impactful was he? Was he more in the run game, or was he kind of the hybrid doing run things and also being able to help in the pass? A little bit of everything. I mean, Trace was playing some really good football before he got hurt, um, and he's kind of like the captain of that defense. So that's a big loss, man. Like, just the the communication that he provides as a veteran. Like, he was around when some of those other dudes um, from the secondary were kind of teaching him the ropes, like Darius Slay and guys like that, like the veterans that he came into the league with. Um, so he's kind of wanted to pay it forward and become that guy for some of these younger DBs. And so when you lose a guy like that, I, you know, it was already a suspect secondary to begin with. Now you lose your best player and your best, you know, leader on that, on that defense. It's, it's always tough. And, you know, I, I don't really know how this match is going to go because DK and Tyler can still get things going for the offense. And, you know, I think Jeff Akuda has played pretty well for the Lions. Like, they, they have to be happy with him coming off the Achilles injury. But the rest of the secondary is kind of a mess. Uh, I, I would expect Juju Hughes uh, to fill in for, for Tracy at safety. Uh, but, you know, he hasn't really provided much, you know, over his career. So he'll get his first, you know, I guess big ch- big chance this week. Um, Amani Oriarie, uh, I, don't even, I don't know if I said that right, but <laughs> he's their other starting corner on the other side. He got six penalties in that Vikings game. Oh, six. I think he's currently PFF's, like, lowest-graded cornerback out of 102 players. Oh. Damn. So that might be that might be a bit of an issue this week. So we'll see. I, I, I don't trust the secondary at all to get the job done. He is target number one. Oh, boy. Yeah. What's his jersey number? What's his, I'm going to be looking out uh, for him. Tw- 24. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right, damn. 24 on film. Good. Six penalties is a lot. I'd pull you. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if all of them are warranted, but okay, even, I even if it's yeah. four, like four out of six, like that's still a lot, man. Yeah. Like, that, he's, getting, that. he's getting cooked out there. So he's got <laughs> better. What did that, AB say uh, in his presser? Getting cooked. <laughs> yeah, that that that's a little rough. Uh, with with um, Akuda, I remember being at the combine that year, um, watching him and thinking this dude is about to be locked down. Like I remember them them yep. just fawning over over him on NFL Network. How much smoother he looked in posi- position drills and a lot of the corners in that 2020 draft. Like I was like, oh, this dude, this dude's gonna be real. And as I'm sure you've researched and learned and talked to people, that he has not been real. He's because he's not been out there. Yeah. Um, you know, to to start his career. But then I was looking up um, some of his stats. Like he's he's their best corner and uh, best the Lions' best corner in uh, yards allowed per coverage stat or for per coverage snap, which is very it's like the opposite of yards per route run for my non nerds. It's a very important stat. It's, it takes into account just how often you're asked to cover somebody versus how many yards you are you are giving up. So like, is he is he locked down now? Now that he's healthy, how's he been looking? He's looked really good. I think this is probably best case scenario for the Lions because they weren't really sure what they were going to get from him. Like his first year, he was banged up. I think he only played like nine or ten games, and that was coming off a of COVID year. Didn't really have a full off season. Matt Patricia was coaching him on that team, so mm-hmm. you kind of gave him a pass for his rookie year. Um, last year, 
when I talked to some guys, it didn't seem like he had the best training camp coming into his second year. Um, and then in like the first game of week, week one, like he kind of blows out his Achilles and is done for the season. So, you know, third overall pick, a lot of hype. And I don't think Lions fans were like totally on board with that pick anyway when it happened, like taking a corner so high. Uh, I think some of them wanted a quarterback back then. I think they would have been fine with Tua or Justin Herbert at the time. Oh, um, I forgot they passed on both. They passed on both of those guys for a quarter. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's tough. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I get it. Um, you know, he had to, he came in with like a lot of pressure and then the two injuries, like no one really knew what you were going to get from him. So came back this training camp was looking good in practice at times, but also was getting beat over the top. And we're just kind of like, what are the lines going to get from him? Do they need to move him to safety or something like just to kind of make something of that pick? You know, no one really knew, but he won the, the starting cornerback job was battling it out against Will Harris beat him out, got the starting nod, and he's looked really good, really solid so far. Um, you know, I think most of the passes he's allowed are, you know, stuff in front of him. I haven't really seen him get beat over the top many times at all, um, which is good. And he's a good tackler, so he's kind of coming up. When when he does allow, like, a five-yard hitch, he's usually, like, right there. So, you know, I think they, they have to like what they've been getting from him so far. He's played, like, the best corner on this team. Um, not quite at that number three overall level that you're kind of expecting, but – I think there's still some hope that he can maybe get there. Um, and if not, even if he's just like a solid starting corner, I think you take that based on, you know, the first two years and how those went. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, even if, if he's just a solid starting corner against DK, it'll probably be a different, you know, result than last year when DK, I think was just barbecuing everybody. Yeah. Uh, I really wanted the Seahawks to take um, FA. How you say his name? If 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 I too. Oh, Ify Melifonu. Ify Melif, uh, yeah, Melifonu. I really is he playing safety now? Yeah, they switched him yep. from corner safety. Yeah. Yes, yeah, I really, I really liked him, and and DK just gave him the blues, um, you know, in, the, in that game last. That might have been why they switched him then. <laughs> yeah, that was it was it was bad. It was like goal goal line fades, just everything. It was it was rough. I'm put you on the spot here with the last uh, uh, Jeff Akuda question. Who do you like based on what you've seen from him, and obviously what you know about DK? Who you like in this one, DK or Jeff? Oof, that that's a good question because he's played really well. Like he was covering Justin Jefferson pretty well last week. And Two catches, right? That's it. Thirteen yards. Yeah, and I need to dig more into the numbers to see like how often he was actually covering him versus. Yeah, you know, he plays one side, so it's, it kind of depends on who's over there. But uh, he looked really good. I mean, even in week two against the Commanders, like they got some good receivers with Terry McLaurin and those those boys over there. So. He's been holding his own in every game. So, I mean, DK DK's a dude, like no doubt. But He's a dude. <laughs> uh, I guess we'll see. This, this is a good test for him because if, if those two guys are, you know, with each other the entire game, you know, I think Jeff will win his battles, but I think DK will get him a couple times too. So, we'll see. Silly old me. We were talking about the sun god, and I forgot the most important question. Over or under? So, every time, you know, we bring up one of the star-studded guys on these teams, we do a little over under. So, I am like I am on the eighty five percent chance that he plays. I don't know how you're feeling, Colton. What are you thinking? I think it's about right, eighty eighty five. Yeah. And with I, that, I he's so. gonna play. So if he's 95, 90 to ninety five percent healthy, we'll start there. Receiving yards, eighty and a half. Are you going over or under against the Seahawks defense? I'll probably go over. Probably you go didn't over. even hesitate. <laughs> I'll probably go I mean, over. The one, I mean, he had a, I think sixty something yards last week, and that was on a bad ankle. So exactly. I, if he's a little bit healthier, you know, we'll see. I, I think he can get the over, but you know, ask me like, I wish we were doing this podcast tomorrow. Cause I could tell you if he's practicing and that would tell me if he's actually going to play this week, probably, but I'm going to just DM you or hit good. you on Twitter, man. We, we can keep it up. It's all good. Hey, Cole, yeah, yeah. man, how's he looking out there? Oh, Chris, he's, he's ready to roll, man. I got he's you. definitely going over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no what is doubt. the average for the year? Like 84 yards or something like that? Like 83, something, something, yeah, like, something that. like that. Like, He's that's a good that's a good over. He's on pace, I think, for uh, like fourteen hundred yards or something like that. What I mean, if he's playing, Goff's going to feed him. So yeah, he'll, he'll get like eight catches. That's usually the standard for him. He had only had six last week, but that was the first time in like eight or nine games that he didn't get eight catches. So I think he can get to eighty yards. If he's playing and productive out there. Uh, yeah, no, I, man, I like that kid, man. I wish, as you can see, we spent a lot of time on that dude. I like, there's some players in the Lions I like. I'm a Lions fan now. So, I mean, that's <laughs> I have all this research done on the Lions. You know, it's like Tuesday morning. It's like, <laughs> some of this stuff I already, already know, man. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to be honest. I can't wait to watch the Lions all 22 and just see what they're doing offensively, especially with the one game, and then see what they're trying to do defensively. 
and see how they're going to fill some holes against the Seahawks offense. It's it's really going to be a fun matchup. I feel like this should be the Sunday night game. I mean, that that's where I'm at with it. <laughs> the Lions have zero primetime games this year, so. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, man. Okay. Well, they're going to get some based off this season. I guarantee it next year for sure. Yeah. Lastly, we haven't talked much about the battle in the trenches too much. And you have Aiden Hutchinson. Where was he taken? Colton, do you remember where he got drafted? Second overall. Second overall. And then he's going up against, oh, Charles Cross. Where was he taking, Mike? Ooh, uh, ninth. Ninth, right? Yeah. Look at that. You think eight, You think uh, Charles has a little chip on his shoulder thinking, yeah, man, they, they took him a little high. I thought I could have been number two. Maybe not. But I'm definitely interested to see how these two square off. Does Aiden move a lot on the D-line? Does he move around edge to edge? Um, they're more moving inside, like to defensive okay. tackle on like passing downs to try to get more of a rush out there. So they do move him around a little bit, yeah. How do you think his rookie impact has been, and how do you see him going up against Charles Cross? Who has the match? Who has, who wins that matchup? Yeah, you know he had he he's pretty invisible in Week One against the Eagles, but that's that's a great offensive line, so it's hard to hard to fault him there. Um, and also Jalen Hurts was just every time they had something, they had him bottle up. He would just you know kind of scramble and get outside the pocket. So uh, that was a little tough in Week One. Week two, he came back with three sacks against the Commanders. And I don't think the Commanders' offensive line is that good right now. I think last week they gave up a lot of sacks, too. It was yeah, kind the of Commanders good. are just not very good right yeah. now. Yeah, <laughs> so, so it's hard. It's like, you know, what are you really getting, you know? Yeah. Um, I think Aiden's at his best when, like, the dudes around him are helping him out because mm-hmm. I don't think he's good enough right now to just, you know, go and win all these one-on-one matchups and get three sacks by himself. Like, the way he got those three sacks in week two, um, a lot of stunts, you know, left him open on some um good coverage downfield or you know just five rushers that are all attacking uh Carson Wentz and he ends up cleaning things up at the end so that's really how he got there in week two um last week he didn't really do a ton honestly like the pass rush was kind of a disappointment against the Vikings I thought that was one of the reasons why they kind of lost that game they didn't really get much of a much pressure on Kirk Cousins and when you do that you're going to win more often than not and they didn't really do that so you know this will be a big test I think they do need to bounce back I think Aaron Glenn would probably be more aggressive than he was uh, in, in week three. So I think we'll send some guys and try to get Gino a little, little rattled out there. Um, but in terms of the match with cross, you know, I guess we'll see how often those guys are against each other, but yeah, I, I think it'll be a good battle. Like I, I like crossing in the draft. Um, Aiden still has some work to do. So I don't know, maybe it's two guys still finding their way in the, the rookie years, but um, I, I like that battle a lot though. That should be, that should be a fun watch. Damn, there are so many appealing matchups. <laughs> now are, that yeah. I think about it, there, there's just so much crossfire that guys going head to head. And you usually don't see that a lot in football, but you see it more in basketball, more so because it's five on five, not eleven on eleven. But in this game, there's just a lot of key matchups that can, you know, tip the scale just a little bit. Either way, you look at it. Yeah, I mean that's why some of these. That's why the premium positions are the premium positions. You know, for the most part, it's because they're they're often tasked with beating. Some like someone directly across from them, like mm-hmm. more often than not, whether you're a tackle or an edge or a corner or a receiver, those are the premium positions for a reason, you know, because if you can beat the dude across from you consistently, you're going to get paid and your team's going to win games by and large, you know, except yeah. for the quarterback. Like, though, does I think that's one of the reasons those and those are the four toughest positions to play. Yeah, um, I think maybe not edge, but definitely tackle corner and probably receiver. Those are those are pretty tough. Yeah. If, if the Lions don't get some pressure, boy, their numbers go down. So that's good news yeah. for the Seahawks. Yeah, I was looking at some Lions defensive numbers. They got some weird numbers, as you know, man. They're like a bad <laughs> overall <laughs> defense. Like they're bad in points per drive. They're bad in like run defense. You know, they give up they give up a lot of explosive plays, you know, just, just about the same as many as the Seahawks who give up a ton, but mm-hmm. they get a lot of pressure. Yeah. <laughs> It's like what? They're like twelfth yeah. in sacks, ninth in pressure rate. I was like, man, what's how are they doing all this? And I was like, oh, they're blitzing at the third highest rate in the league. Yeah. Uh, so, so that who was their DC? Who was it? Aaron, Aaron Glenn. Glenn. Yeah. Yes. It's, was he with the Saints? He was. Yeah. 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 So is he just is is he on the? Uh, he loves the blitz. Is uh Todd Bowles? He on the Todd Bowles just blitz the hell out the other team plan? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, that's what he has to do. He doesn't really have the full talent collection that he would probably like. So he's got to mix and match and move guys around. So I, I would definitely expect him to send, send the house a few times there. All right. I like, you know what, this is, this is how much of a nerd I am about this matchup. The Seahawks are actually missing 
they're probably going to be missing their best pass protecting running back and Travis Homer, uh, mm. which like it seems like a like a minor like loss. In the That's huge. Game. But when you're playing a team that blitzes at the third highest rate, you need your pass protector in there that, as the extra guy to pick up those blitzes, especially if they're mm. exotic blitzes. You're right, Chris. There's a ton of there's a ton, ton of interesting yeah. matchups. I don't know if it's enough for Sunday Night Football or nothing. But I'm, screw it, Mike. I'm all in, man. I'm in. I think really? the Sunday Night game is – what's the Sunday Night game this week? I feel like it's way better. Oh, it's better, but I wouldn't be opposed if they're like, "Hey, Lions, Seahawks, what do you guys think?" You know what? Let's do it. Flexing, flexing in, yeah. Yeah, I would mind. Sunday night game. It's is it Bucks Chiefs? That Sunday night game? Yeah. Uh, let me just look for you. Hang on, let's see. I think, it is I think it's Bucks Chiefs. We, because it's supposed to be like a tornado or some hurricane or some Florida shit down there that's supposed to like go. potentially derail the game, and it was going to get moved. Well, see, that's the, even more the reason to give the Seahawks and the Lions an opportunity. You just uh, said no. yourself, potential hurricane. So it is actually oh Thursday night. So Sunday night you have yeah Chiefs and Bucks. That yeah, the, the hurricane or whatever was potentially supposed to derail it, but I'm sure some NBC executive was like, uh, no, there's a Damn hurricane or not. Build a goddamn dome or something <laughs> and play the game. You know how much money Brady and Mahomes is on prime time. Come on, man, that's that's. That NBC executive ain't gonna be driving the Tesla off putting the Lions and the Seahawks on Sunday night football. You gotta- It'll be a bunch of scoring, I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, no, hey. there, there should be some scoring. You know, I just realized we haven't talked about my guy Ken Walker. How's he doing out there? MSU oh, guy. Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. So well, outside of running the wrong way, you know. Oh, <laughs> yeah. running That's, so Yikes. there's there's good Ken, and then there's still a rookie Ken. Uh he didn't play a lot in the preseason because he had a hernia. Injury, but he looked really, he looks really explosive. Like he took a, um, like they had a really bad trick play against the Niners in week two. Not the one that ends up being an interception play before that. They have like a, a wildcat formation where it's four running backs with uh, Ken taking the direct snap, doing zone read. He makes oh, the wrong yeah. read, um, and is and two linemen crash on him in the backfield, but he makes both of them miss and ends up picking up five <laughs> yards, which is incredible. I That's what he does. Yeah, I'll, I'll tag you. I, I tweeted the clip. He's really impressive. Um, but then he also had a play in that game where they're in the pistol and Geno Smith goes to hand it to him to the left, I think, and Ken runs to the right. Okay. Uh, so then Geno has to just eat that and they end up punting. And then the same thing happened on Sunday against the Falcons. Geno goes to hand it to him and then Ken runs the wrong way and then Geno has to eat it. So it's just like, ah, okay, he is still, so he's, so he's learning. He's, he's, he's still a rookie. But then he had a um, he they run a they ran a really cool play out of twenty one personnel. That's two running backs from a non nerds, two running backs. And uh, one tight end, it had two receivers. But instead of a fullback, which is usually what you use in that situation, it was uh, Rashad Penny and Ken with, with Ken like to the slot. And he came across on a fly sweep. And Geno handed it to him. And I think Ken took it 21 yards. Yeah, it was um, a big play. Reverse okay. field. So you can see it. That's what I said. There's good Ken. And then there's still a, still a rookie Ken. He, yeah. Soon as he learns how to go the right way on every uh, <laughs> run play. That's all. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> It's gonna be a problem. <laughs> and you know what's been really impressive? He's he's pass protecting really well, and he can catch. Hello. And as as you See, know, that MSU was the one thing I was worried about. Man. He didn't really catch a lot of balls at MSU, so I was kind of worried how that would translate to the NFL. I didn't know if it was MSU just not using him in the passing game, or if he, they just didn't think he was good enough. But I mean, that's good that he's kind of developing there. Yep. Yeah. No, the Pete Carroll has said um, he's been very frank with player evaluations, but perhaps because he's got a really young roster. But he was like, yeah, you know. Uh, you know, Ken wasn't really that great in pass protection, um, you know, coming out of college. So we were a little concerned about that. And then mm-hmm. like someone followed up. It's like, well, what was what was wrong with his pass protection? People was just like, he just wasn't blocking guys. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> well, OK, then. But since then, he's they figured it out. They work with his technique and he's got the want to to want to block. So that that's been helpful. And then, like I say, he's been he's been catching like some of the plays have been designed to go to him in the pass game. Like that's how okay. effective uh, it, it's been. So, yeah, again, once he. Just go to just be on the same page with Gino, even if it gets to the point where they call the play and be like, Ken, we're running this to the left. That's it. Yeah. Like, it's, if he has to do that before the snap, whatever it is, because I think he's he's going to get to the point where probably by week 13, 14, he's going to be splitting with Rashad legitimately. Like, you see Tony Pollard and Zeke or AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones. Like, is they that the have, vision? He, he's, yeah, that's the that's the vision. Who else does that? There's another team that does that really well where they split their two guys, but I think. Those two examples are ones that that pop out in my head, like where yes. you just have a two back system. You can run stuff with both of them on the field at the same time, so you don't have to alternate. Like I think that that's the vision. Just gotta go the right way on every on every play. That's there you go. That, I bet we'll see some of his jerseys in the crowd here in Detroit. So that's love. Okay. Yeah. yeah no, nah, he. I mean, he was so good 
there. When I, I talked to some of the coaches there after they drafted him, and they were just like, dog, this kid can sc-. The thing they liked about him before we get out of here with, with Ken is they liked that he could score whenever he touches the ball. Mm. Like it doesn't really matter if we have first and 10 to 25, he hits this hole right and he could score from here. Yeah. Like that is what they like about him. Cause Rashad can do that too. Rashad had like a bunch of 50, 60 yard runs last season. They see the same thing. Chris Carson yeah. was fantastic, but he could, he got hawked down every once in a while. Cause he was a bigger bullier dude. They think Ken's one cut gone. Yeah. You know, could go 80 I mean, yards. Yeah. He covered up so much for MSU. Like their offensive line probably wasn't that good last year, but he made them look a lot better than they were. Now they're a mess. They can't run the ball. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, he might have gotten Mel some money last year, like just based on what he did. So, yeah, they they still love him out here. Yeah, no, he's and he's likable dude too. We don't get to know, haven't gotten to know him a bunch because like the team's bad right now. So like, yeah, getting to know each guy and writing about him is not the thing. It's more like, why is the run D bad? But yeah. From what we know about Ken, man, now he's he's gonna he's gonna be a dude once he just you know, gets gets back in the groove and yeah, because he, he can score from from anywhere. So yep. yeah, we got anything else, Chris? Nah, man. We want to thank you for rocking with us this morning. We appreciate your time, man. Thank you, Colton. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. All right, that's another episode of Seahawks Man to Man podcast. Thank you guys for subscribing on YouTube, watching on Spotify, Apple, The Athletic, everywhere. That is our guest, Colton Pouncey. Make sure you subscribe to The Athletic and check out his work. Follow him on Twitter. Hold on real quick, Colton. Where's your uh, shot your Twitter real fast before we get you out of here? Yeah, at Colton underscore Pouncey, C-O-L-T-O-N underscore P-O-U-N-C-Y. There you go. Thank you guys for joining us. Thank you, uh, Colton. I will see you in Detroit, and we will catch you guys after the game on Sunday. Peace. Like right now, right now. You see, I don't have to drive me. If you say that for your mama, maybe you should smoke some. Me and try the marijuana. I was never you good. The vibe was straight. Shows you a couple of things, and they finished. I treated you right. Everything was a gift from a time to your.